do you agree that you know it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility even for our ancestors that did not know any better been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation <laughs> Well, it's Wake Up With KC, and you know me. You never know who I'm going to get on my show. And I love having inspirational conversations, you know me, and having special guests. And this special guest, I was introduced and recommended to have him on my show. And his cause, and he has nonprofit organizations that are dear to my heart. And I want him to share his journey, his transformation, and his projects. Please welcome Dwayne Morell. Dwayne, hello, lovely. Hi. I just, I'm so happy and I'm truly humbled and honored to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So please share. You have several nonprofit organizations. And I know there's a reason why that inspired you for this. But can, can you share with the audience of, you know, who you are, where you're from, and what inspired you? Why to do these projects? I'm sorry, it looks like I'm getting a little bit of sound trouble, like very slow-mo, but um, I'm going to try to work off of what I got. Um, so my name is uh, The DM. I am the host of It's Sunny in the Shade podcast, and uh, we are currently in season three. We're on hiatus from season three, so another year completed. Hallelujah. Um, and so we actually are uh, gearing up for season four, and uh, I have been doing... Um, radio work and broadcasting work for um on and off for about a decade i started in the nashville market doing gospel radio uh and then i began to do radio uh, locally here in memphis Tennessee, where i'm based and uh, i have also been doing a ton of other things that i'm sure we'll get into a little bit later uh with you uh in your broadcast so you started this podcast uh when when did it originate your podcast three years ago um when did i originally start doing it okay uh so i started i've always had a love for music and just sound production anyway um so it always it went from having conversations talking on recorders like i remember i was like six years old and so we used to be able to um I'm telling my age, we used to be able to check out the voice recorders in the library. And so it started as young as then. I would actually get a blank cassette tape and hit record and just talk. So that was the start. That was the the, the beginning of it all. But um, I've always been a lover of music. Um, I actually sing and play music. Uh, or play a couple of instruments. Um, nothing that would be delightful to listen to in a performance, I believe. Uh, solo, anyway. But 
uh, I did go into doing radio, gospel radio. This is 2007 in Nashville. Um, and so when I started there professionally, um, I actually had to do like a, a professional reel and do audition and everything like that. And so to a degree, I was kind of like the comic relief because I'm more spiritual than religious. And so I was on this oh, gospel radio stage, a radio show, right? And so everyone's just hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, you know, and they're going like Baptist, like straight in. And I'm just sitting there like, uh, okay, girl, like, and, and, and at the time I was, I've always been in tune with myself. So I've always had a big personality. Um, so I go in and just kind of act a fool. And the thing that the pop that I got uh, while doing the radio was when I started doing the advertisements and commercials for folks. And so I remember one of the advertisements that people went crazy over in Nashville was uh, doing a hair salon commercial. So they had paid for the advertisement, done all of that. And I was like, okay, well, how do I make this fun? How do I make people want to go to this hair salon? Because it was like kind of, and I'm just gonna use a facetious name. It was like Dana's hair salon. And so I was like, well, yeah, people need to do their hair, but this script sounds boring. Flip it, Dwayne. And here goes the DM. That's where he was born. And I was like, hey, ladies, if you want to get that hair licked and slayed and slide to the side, go ahead and go to Dina's hair salon. And he turned on. And so I got like a, a big response from that. And I gained so many accounts for that radio station at the time. And so I just took that experience and I started doing gospel radio here in Memphis, not trying to, literally did an interview for my nine to five. And they were like, you sound great. Have you ever done radio before? I was like, well, actually, yeah. Because I, not professionally, I work in public health. Um, so I did the interview. They asked me to come in, uh, do a guest spot for a week on a morning show. And I ended up booking a show on a gospel radio station here in Memphis. Um, and so there were some things that I wasn't like completely, there was, it wasn't an amicable, happy onboarding. So uh -huh. I was like, if I'm going to do this for y'all, let me do this for myself. So I was already in season three of Sunny in the Shade podcast. I said, let me put the engine behind this and really see where it goes. And you're on my journey. So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. You mentioned earlier that you're more spiritual than religious. And I could just imagine the conflict of being on a gospel radio show of, you know, the topics and the content that you talk about kind of thing. So I could just imagine, you know, what it was that like, you know, did you have to be careful what you said and what you talked about? I'm sorry, I'm still getting the slow-mo. I don't know what the sound is crazy, um, but I am gonna try to attempt to answer. So just bear with me. Uh, but I think that like, I never imagined that I'd be doing radio. Um, my my life dream as a youngin, like I used to have this ongoing, I'm gonna say a joke, this ongoing thing that my dad kind of tried to instill in me, which was that I was gonna be a Supreme Court judge. Don't ask me how I was gonna do that. <laughs> I was supposed to be a Supreme Court judge, according to my dad and I. Um, but I think 
Um, I took like an ASVAB test like during my senior year in high school. I'm not going to tell the year because I'm aging myself again. Uh, but I end up like taking an ASVAB and finding out that I could be an attorney, be a social worker or something like that. But it was never anything like media. Um, so talking about imagination around like, would I, you know, even be, you know, would it be a fathomable thought to be here? Um, I would say no. but. I've always been a fan of supporting dreams and chasing dreams. And I have a 19 year old son. He's currently in college now. He's a sophomore. And I've, it's, I've instilled that in him. Like I believe in protecting young folks like in childhood and let them have that experience. And also being able to dream and chase that dream and, and go after it like wholeheartedly. And I think I did that with, you know, starting to do broadcasting work and it's definitely paid off like it's open doors for me okay so when did you realize that in coming from a religious you know upbringing probably that you recognize spirituality See, I wasn't really, I think, I think naturally, and, and give you a little bit of backstory. So I, I did grow up in like subsidized housing. Um, and, you know, there is always like the cultural attachment to that as well, which a lot of folks believed in God and that, oh, you know, just it was a really Baptist denomination type of belief. Um, I didn't really have that. I always knew that for me, it was like, I didn't think God was all of that extra, <laughs> you know, um, it, it was more, it was really like, okay, it don't take all that to have a conversation with whoever that is up there. I always knew there was a higher power to connect to, but uh, even in those settings where like I'm in a Baptist church, everyone's sweating and hollering and, you know, you know, praise dancing and everything. And, and don't get me wrong. I can, I can tear a gospel song down. Like I can feel the spirit. It's just, I don't think it takes a lot of that. And I even like did a lot of uh, psalmist work or singing in the CME church, which is a whole lot more conservative in comparison to a Baptist and Pentecostal type of praising. Um, and even there, I was like, yeah, some people would kind of be a little extra. And I think as big as my personality is, you would think I'd be able to take it, but I kind of be like, it don't take all that. And so, I really started to veer towards into looking at the more spiritual way that people coexist on this plane and, and how they interact with folks and how their principles are in place and still that the same things that, you know, your, your um, standardized religions would preach or teach, you have that in spirituality as well. And I actually dabbled into uh, being a Wiccan at one point. So um, I, Think it, I, yeah, I, it's a, it's a long story about that. I don't think you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I do not know about you, but I was having like spiritual awakenings or almost like God realizations of wait, hold up a second. 
that's totally opposite of what I was taught to believe coming from a Baptist religion. So I started questioning things. Mm -hmm. And one thing, would it be okay to say that rings truth is we're spiritual beings, sexual beings inside a human being? I'm sorry, repeat the question for me. <laughs> I'm listening, but, but I'm, I'm still trying to work through the, the audio issue here. I'm sorry. Okay. Would it be safe to say that there's yeah. truth in we're spiritual beings, sexual beings inside a human being? Uh, you asked about sex, right? Well, we're spiritual beings and we're sexual beings inside a human being. Yeah. Um, and, and so that my comparison with that with talking about uh religion and you know looking at the parallel of just being a human being um uh, there there was a time i think in 2005 uh, where i kind of denounced my faith with um the affiliation with being in the baptist church i really kind of uh, told the pastor at the church i was attending look i'm kind of I'm kind of done. Like, uh, can you just take me off the membership thing? Don't look for any tithing. Like, I'm kind of good on y'all. Um, and there was a couple of things that happened where I, I always, I'm naturally a people watcher. So even in the church, I would watch how the dynamics would go with people. And I didn't like what I saw. Um, and I've always had a very strong, a very strong sense of self. And, um, and and preserving people and, and how to and preserve myself, of course. But the way that I saw people interacting with one another in a church, that dynamic was really not good. It wasn't healthy for me at the time to not only witness, but to um, to just to just to know that it was happening. Um, it was like the closer you it was a, it, it was definitely a caste system where like you had to be privileged, privileged in the church to be able to speak with the pastor. I'm like, wait a minute. So I can't just go and talk to the pastor because he has a ton of members, but he could take my money with no problem. That ain't gonna work for me, I'm sorry. I don't pay bills for stuff I don't have access to. <laughs> so one of those, so that was one of those things. And just looking at that and then looking like once once I once I denounced my faith, I just started kind of studying different religions and just principles around them. Um, and the one thing I did find the string that binds us all is that you know we definitely want uh, love thy neighbor, love thyself. Um, definitely, you know, I think the idea around karma, you know, what you put into the universe does come back to you. Um, learn from your mistakes. Um, or you're doomed to repeat them. I think those type principles are the things that are very tied to the human experience. Um, and so that's what that's the part for me where I, I just kind of roll with those. Um, and and I would say I'm non-denominational at this point, but I would be lying. I'm very much more spiritual. Um, I've you know sat around folks uh, who were you know, like um, to a degree shamans, 
um, who told me that, yeah, you're, you're a heavy empath, which is probably why you like the people watch. Uh, I'm kind of believing it now, literally. <laughs> and the thing is this, and I really would come up with stories, like looking at people like their shoes and what kind of beverage are they drinking while they're standing there, if they're on, if they're actually holding a phone or if they're on an earpiece, like just, and, and coming up with, I wonder where they come from. And I just naturally have been like excited about human life and just the human experience. So uh, that, that's kind of like the piece that I uh, kind of look at when it comes to religion and then being human and uh, where my principles lie. Um, <clears throat> Dwayne, I mean, I look at it this way. Religion is, there's separation division even in religion and to me a if you want to call them the Tao, god higher source higher power there is none it's yeah it, it's we are created in such a brilliant way and it's not what we were taught to believe from religion or how we originated. And I believe there's a false identity of who we are. And we're living a lie. Would that be I safe? Agree. Would, thank you. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, I, I love George Carson was one of my favorite comics back in the day. And so, you know, he was definitely, he really looked at religion objectively and he would crack jokes all the time. And it's one that sticks with me where he was like, if the Christians are saying that, you know, that if the Christians saying they the ones that are supposed to have the message and, you know, people of other religions, like, you know, being Muslim and Judas and all Judaism and stuff like this, if everyone's saying they, they have the message, the point is, did you get the message, right? And so I think that a lot of us, we we kind of create splinters that don't really need to be there in the first place. And it really erodes the human experience and just being able to, to live, love, and laugh. I think that, I love that quote. It's so simple, but if you just really like think about it, like, you know, it's really a question more so a statement. How are you living? How are you loving? How are you laughing? Um, and, and so this is uh, something that, you know, kind of going into uh, another piece of my work. So I'm actually in the process of writing a book now. Um, and so and the whole idea of me writing this book is I don't want to be another talking head and inspirational book. I know tons of people do it and I don't want to be an authority, but I just want to give like a unique viewpoint of you know, being able to, you know, how to live, how to love, and how to laugh. Um, even when we need talking about parenting and, and doing that, um, some people, it's, it's hard being a parent, right? And you don't really get, you would probably get books out there that would tell folks that you're doing it wrong. This is how you should do it. Um, so my perspective on the book that I'm writing um, is talking about being a single parent uh, raising a boy to a man and how to, you know, live while doing that, still have your life, you know, and not feel like, okay, I've sacrificed all these years for my child, uh, you know, knowing how to, to laugh through it, you know, and knowing that, okay, whether it's a boy or a girl, 
like raising a kid, you can find the laughter in it because I mean, this is another part of you. Like, why would you not enjoy them? You know, and, and I know some parents sometimes have to feel like they have to be so stern, right? Um, and then the third thing is, is, you know, knowing how to, to you know, to love, you know, and, and love that, that young person properly, you know, uh, what we find out, even as in our age, we grow up and we're like, yeah, our parents raised us to be adults. Yeah, we're productive, but we have a whole lot of trauma. Uh, so the name of the book that I'm introducing to the world is called Giving You the Game. And the game is an acronym, G-A-M-E. And that's the, uh, the grown-ass man experience. <laughs> uh, so, so the idea is just, you know, how to raise a healthy boy to a man and introduce him into the world where he's going to, you know, be a person who's going to serve his people. He's going to be a leader uh, and, and being able to also instill in him being able to love healthy, healthy um, whether that's going to be, you know, in romantic relationships and also just a lover of people as well. So that's my idea. Well, uh, kudos to you. Um and when you talk about love, you have to, wouldn't you agree that you, in order to understand love, you have to experience it from within before you can give it to somebody else. And we were taught love from our parents, our upbringing, society, and even religion of what love is. But most people really, truly do not understand or have experienced that true bliss love that's already in us. I wonder about that. And, and I would say, like, I didn't have any, like, beginnings that kind of got me on the, the, the uh, frequency I'm on now. Um, like... To be honest, I grew up in a background where it was okay to smoke weed with your parents. It was okay to drink underage. It was okay to cut school as long as you don't get caught, whatever that means. Um, so <laughs> I, right, you know, so I, cause, I mean, these days it's, it's virtually, it's really hard to do it. Um, but I never had anything to kickstart me on taking that journey. I just think it was an innate uh interest that i had and i just followed it i think sometimes we kind of ignore that whisper i do believe that you know sometimes we do get whispers i don't know if that's god i don't know if that's an angel i don't know if that's like you know maybe a a guardian angel um but for me i think the most beautiful thing in my life is that ever since i was born there's always been an elderly woman that looked after me and sought after me in every stage of my life. So when I was born, I had a great aunt. Her name was Aunt Mildred. And please forgive me if I well up, because like it's really dear to my heart. Um, but Aunt Mildred took care of me like from zero to about eight years old when she died. Um, she was married for like 30, 40 years with my Uncle John. And so when she transitioned, um, I end up, I was in, I was on my way from middle, from elementary to middle school. And I ended up getting with a guidance counselor who loved me. Uh, I don't know how we end up connecting 
uh, so strongly, but her name was Miss Bishop, Waldering Bishop. And Miss Bishop was the one that started to try to put me in the church, thinking that that's where I needed to be. And I kind of went with it because I was spending time with her. Um, and she watched after me until I got into high school. And so when I got into high school, um, I didn't have anyone at that time, but I made it to adulthood at about 24. Once I left high school, was working and, you know, had my son working, had a whole family, everything. Um, I went through a transition at 21. I'm also a black gay man. So just to give you all of my identifiers. Okay, um, I was going to question, like, okay, you have a son, but I know there's another side, so thank you for sharing that. When did you realize <laughs> that you were gay? Like, when did you have that epiphany? Yeah, so I um I had my son at 21, and his mother and I were together for five years. So at 22, uh, about time he turned one years old, his mom and I were already uh, dissolving as a relationship or a couple. Uh, she had already had two kids before him. Uh, he came around. It it it, it was kind of weird how it happened. But um, another story. <laughs> she actually is same gender loving as well as I am. So it, it's kind of interesting how that happened. And my son is cisgender heterosexual. Um, but during that time, through that transition, a couple of years later, I met. Uh, my aunt Jane, and she was a um, she was a woman who worked. She was a secretary in the CME Church, and she had been for thirty years had been giving her life to doing work in the CME Church. But before that, <clears throat> she was a cancer survivor. Like I think two or three times, uh, she also was a, a you know a drug user that survived you know that stage of her life. So when she gave her life to Christ, she really gave her life to Christ and. Uh, she she transitioned from this earth recently uh, in the last recent in a couple of recent years before pan the pandemic, and that she really supported me with making that journey, saying, "Okay, I necessarily ain't gonna believe in this Jesus story that y'all are talking about, but I'm I believe in something. There's a higher power." And she guided me in all the the most difficult questions that I had because could you imagine? your kid going out into the world and learning all this stuff, getting all this information with no context and come back to you asking about those, you know, they'll make you make us pull our hair out. Right. Like, uh, and so that's how my, my godmom, I call her my godmom. That's how she did with me. And she, she muscled through it and she didn't break a sweat. So um, I'm thankful for people like that who allowed me to grow. Um, but yeah, though that's 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 my story some of it oh, wow well i went on my journey by myself and the things that i questioned that were in the bible i was like that doesn't sit like it's this inner knowing like that's not true you know kind of thing and you know i'm studying history and ancient civilization and studying the sumerian writings that are like thousands, tens of thousands of years, 450,000 years of civilization. So it's been like a huge eye opener. I'm like, oh, so that's where they got the information and they just copyrighted it, plagiarized it and put it in this book that called the Bible, the Torah and the Quran. 
it's all the like pretty much the same they twisted certain things for their own agenda so it's like wow so now i can't like once you experience and once you have knowledge and in, in that truth that just so resonates with you you can't go back to the other like no that's yeah just, exactly it's bullshit. you guys know this right but wow it's fascinating like you literally believe that this happened like really okay well that's you know bless you but uh, i hope you wake up soon that's why i started yeah. my podcast i would encourage anyone like i i think that that's what i love about the the idea when young people are in college because it makes them really challenge what they were brought up on and they don't it doesn't make them like them going into college will usually break the cycle of them being a carbon copy of their parents um and i and i enjoy that with my son like he um we had a conversation because of course he's cisgender heterosexual and he asked me about the rapper kid cuddy and he was like kid cuddy um has a dress on and my friends were saying that he's gay because he has a dress on i was like i don't think that's true <laughs> i was like you know there's a difference between gender expression gender identity and gender orientation right and he was like what do you mean and so we spent like an hour and a half with me giving him a lesson about um about gender expression orientation and identity as a spectrum and it's not just you know okay you know, you're straight, you're gay. It's not a binary situation, just man, woman. I'm like, when you look at the spectrum, that's where you get the LGBTQIA uh, spectrum from. So even if a person uh, is, you know, maybe they might be attracted to the same sex, but they might want to express themselves a different way. Like expression and how they want to you know, want the world to see them is totally different from what they're attracted to and what they identify as. Those are three different things. And so my son was just like, and I could, he, like, he was quiet on the phone. I was like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm listening. He was like, dad, I got to talk to you. I, I need to get you on the phone when I'm around my friends. I was like, yeah, I was like, Kid Cuddy is, from my understanding, it is a heterosexual man. However, he expresses himself on a different spectrum or a different part of the spectrum where, okay, he might feel like he want to wear a suit jacket and wear a dress. He might feel like he want to wear a spaghetti strap blouse and wear a suit, you know, suit pants. He might want to go and put some, some Alexander McQueen heels on and, you know, whatever else. And if, if he's wearing all pink or rainbow colors or anything, that doesn't stop him from who he is attracted to. Those are different things. My well, song's I, like, I didn't get that. Well, I have a question. Isn't that the same as like, um, you know, there's drag queens, there's cross gender or cross dressers. They just love to dress up and, and get in touch with that feminine energy that they already have. They operate on more masculine, but now they're trying to find that balance with the feminine energy because we both have masculine and feminine feminine energy would that be more of understanding why you know some men love to dress up as a woman yeah and so i mean i think that the, the the conundrum there is like looking at fashion right as as a binary thing fashion is an expression thing 
you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, you have your core uh, emotions, but when it comes to fashion, in my personal belief, like I, for me, I present usually as, you know, masculine, Uh, but I've been, I've, I've had like stuff on that would bend that. Um, and I think the thing is, it's such a phenomenon now because I think people are challenging the binary way of what fashion looks like. Uh, that's why you have like a Jaden Smith who was wearing dresses and uh, uh, what's his uh, other name? Harry, he was from New Direction. Um, Harry Styles? Harry Styles, yeah. Uh, I think he did like a spread in a magazine where uh, Billy Porter responded. And, you know, Billy Porter is another one of those that does a gender bender in fashion. So I think that um, what I love about this generation is that they're challenging what the norms were. Um, and and when people like that challenge what the norms are, they end up creating a new world for more people to be a part of what status quo is. Um, I think for so long, we've kind of been stuck in our own place um, and how what is working. And I think the pandemic showed us that we can reimagine how our world really functions and works for us. Uh, and, and that's the thing that I love about uh, when you know you talk about you ask about fashion and you know that masculine and feminine presentation uh in thus the thing is it's like who says that you know me being i'm six three and i'm a big boy i'm a bear who says that i can't wear a dress if if i look good in it and can rock it and got the confidence who says i can't wear one and and you know even with you like who says you can't wear a pantsuit or a tuxedo to a function like who says that those are rules uh we determine the rules and that's you know going back to what my son was asking about king cuddy and you know talking about Jaden smith billy porter harry styles like they interrupt the frequency of where we currently was and introducing a new wave and i I, i'm here for all of it wow um not only that but you know, I look at it like we're all, like I said earlier, spiritual beings, sexual beings inside of a human being. And like, I don't look at you as the, I look at you as a beautiful, handsome soul that is experiencing God through this human being that you're residing in. And I'm sorry. Uh huh. So when I look at you, I'm like, wow, this is God in this form experiencing life in this form. So that's how I now look at other human beings. And it's fascinating yeah. to me that I was like, wow, because now I, I show compassion. Because if I see somebody struggle and, and they're in that, what especially the negativity and all that negative emotion, I'm like, wow, mm, good luck to you. You know, hope you wake up soon. And I think based on, and even history, if, if people really looked back in time, men wore makeup, you know, they wore those wigs. They had high heels on and they wore stockings. 
And it came from the European attributes of that. And then look at the history of women had to wear those corsets, their tight stuff, these all long skirts. It was hot and hot as hell, probably wearing one of those outfits. But then it seemed like, oh, women could start wearing jeans. Now, in some places, it's still that women are covered up. And that's very sad. Right. And I think that, like, when we talk about, um, you know, like, you know, gender bender fashion and people, like, wearing clothes that were, you know, going against the binary, uh, we can go far back as William Shakespeare, you know, where the men, you know, were in the plays, right? Um, and women were not allowed to even be in the play. So you would have a man that's playing the man's part and a man playing the woman part. And these plays were not just, okay, I'm going to stand here and give a monologue and stand here and give a monologue. This is like interaction, kissing, hugging, like sometimes insinuating, you know, uh, you know, being in the same bed together. Like this was back when William Shakespeare was popping. So um, as far back as history is there and, and what you're explaining, I think I concur with what you're saying. Like this, I think that um, we we have to get out of the, the place where we're trying to establish and reinforce uh, some of the binary ways of how we once did things. I think that, you know, when we uh, look at us being just human, um, I think that we can really start to, you know, progress as a race, as a human race. Um, and, and, and this even talk about like, you know, like as recent as the whole thing with race and color, uh, that's been a big deal because we've been redefining like what that means to be a person of color, to be a white person, to be, uh, you know, any other nationality or ethnicity. Um, and I would say, like, for me, my personal experience with that in particular has been where I actually have had folks who were not, who were non people of color, who would want to engage in a conversation, which I think, even though we might want to be like, okay, we've been in a hell basket for the last couple of years when it comes to race relations. What I love about what's happened or the, the aftermath of it is that people are now who otherwise wouldn't give a damn are really starting to want to have that conversation. Um, and I think that's the beautiful thing about it. It's just like when we talk about the whole thing with my son asking me the question about the rapper Kid Cudi. Um, these conversations would not be encouraged if we didn't shake the table and say we need to have a conversation. Um, and and going back to like this Sunday in the Shade podcast, that's pretty much the premise of the podcast of the whole thing. Um, we take we basically have kitchen table talk. Uh, you remember when you were younger, you know, your mom and her sisters, or your mom and grandma, or you know, olders would sit down at the kitchen table, whether they're snapping peas or making dinner or just having a cold glass of sweet tea, anything. And they just have conversations candidly about things. Um, I think this is basically what we do on the on the podcast. And we've been doing it for three years and people have been really responding really, really well. Um, and we even got to the point where we started a segment called Ask the Judy. 
So when we say good Judy in the gay world, that's kind of like my best friend, my pal, my BFF. And so this is where we receive questions because we've always gotten like inquiries about people wanting advice and things like that. We would be like, hey, write in, email us, call in or whatever you might want to do and ask us anything you'd like for us to ask and we'll give you advice on air. And so we do that. And when I tell you like our our online interaction just catapulted over season three uh, when we started to ask the Judy segment. Uh, but we've had people on there who were asking about uh, fiancés. They found out they were unfaithful. We've had folks uh, on the episodes asking about um, them having one night stands with folks and should they go back, but they were kind of weirded out by some stuff. And uh, also about someone who were having complications um, with un, unscheduled menstrual cycle and, and wanting to get information and, and resources to get help for that. Um, so I'm really excited to uh, be able to go into season four uh, and being able to continue this type of conversation and have this kitchen table talk with folks. Um, I would invite, you know, I would even invite you definitely come and be a part of the co-host. Yeah. Um, and, and and anyone who's listening, definitely come. And uh, I think definitely beat us there, don't meet us there. So go find us on social media now. <laughs> like, uh, It's Sun in the Shade is at Facebook and Instagram. And we're on TikTok as well. And uh, our feed our video feed will be on youtube so you can find your son in the shade podcast on youtube uh to find that it would be an honor to be uh, a a host or a co-host or a guest on your show um you also are a mentor in the lgbtq youth and young adults for sexual health and wellness can you enlighten us on what that what's that about and how how you help with young adults yeah so i've been doing uh sexual health work uh like i said over 20 years uh i of course was employed with different agencies over the years uh but i initially started with just handing out condoms at a black pride pool party um, and so they were like on a little beads and we used to call them lays. Um, and so we would hand them like the bead with the condom on it and be like, Hey, you want to get laid and put it over their, their head. And I folks were it. like, yeah, and folks were like, Ugh. you know, we used to get that reaction, but, um, it was necessary because even people in the LGBTQ community at one point did not feel comfortable talking about sex. Um, even to this day, you have. You have those who don't mind talking about sex because we've had like a lot of work in the last couple of years of people being very liberated uh, with talking about sex. Uh, and then you have those people who I call um, first ladies. And so uh, first ladies of the church. So if, if you know anything about the church, yeah. So you know the first lady of the church, you're first seen in my the room. closet. <laughs> And I would say, honestly, I think you need to go and listen to the podcast because I actually we have a co-host called Artavius. His name is Artavius Vizi. He's a very accomplished author and graphic designer and like even performer, actor. Like he's having right now he's blazing the silver screen. Uh, he's in a short movie called Timothy. 
Um, but I call him first lady because a lot of his, he's very, very conservative about things. And so that's the pretty much, that's the idea. But going back to the sexual health conversations, you know, some people are very sexually liberated who don't mind talking about it. And then you have people who I call the first ladies. And so that's where I, we talking about sex. Uh, we, and it's not always, it's like, ooh, how do you like it? Ooh, yeah, like, it's, that's not the kind of conversation we're having. Um, but just to touch on the topic, you have folks who are like, ooh, 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 what, I don't do that. Ooh, oh my goodness. And it's so annoying to me. Oh my God, it's so annoying. Because it's like, I'm like, okay, internally I'm screaming but I have to save face when I'm doing it. And so I usually am just like, okay, well, let me keep asking some prying questions. Let me figure out what really they, what really gets them going, right? And I would say by the end of a 30 minute session, I usually got them. <laughs> and we can actually start to talk about some of the risk behaviors on how they may contract the STI. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what's important. Uh, in Tennessee, if you don't know, uh, in Tennessee, if a person like myself or my colleagues go into a school and teach about sexual health, we can be fined and sued. Um, yeah, so sexual health education has really no place in the state school education system curriculum. Um, they really, they're an abstinence only type of approach to sexual health. And so the the need to continue to do sexual health now, what really reinvigorates me now is the fact that, okay, sexual health is to a degree banned in Tennessee, but our numbers in teen pregnancy, our numbers in STI with young people 13 to 24, and our numbers uh, when we talk about the specific STIs are all increased with the 13 to 24 age group, which encompasses our young people in school systems um, prior to going to college. Um, so that's why I really kind of had this reinvigorated um, um, commitment to continue to have the conversation and to continue to do the work. And um, I'm currently right now working on a piece of legislation in the state of Tennessee to uh, decriminalize people living with HIV. So a person with HIV status in the state of Tennessee is highly susceptible to uh, being charged with a class C felony for HIV exposure. And that's widely interpreted. Um, so it could simply be as you and I having a conversation at a coffee house and you feel like I expose you to HIV. By you filing a complaint, and I do have a diagnosis with the health department, sex crimes will pick up their complaint, investigate it, find my status, and then you know put me in a 24 to 72 hour investigation. And I will have to bond out and then have a court date to defend my status that I did not try to contract. I'm going to transmit HIV to you. So I'm currently working on a piece of legislation. Well, well, I mean, this is just common sense. You know, you can only get HIV through saliva. And I would say, oh, making out. Oh, oral sex or sex in itself it's that's how but sitting across a coffee table hello it's not like it's covid yeah i mean there's a so, i mean it's just where's the common sense no covid yeah. is a virus that through air sneezing 
But HIV is something that's inside that you have to kiss, make out, or oral sex, or sexual intercourse. Right. And so and this the thing when it comes to... Is, there, is it because I'm, I mean, I hate to be political here, but is it a Republican right. state or something? Well, the thing is, it's like, you know, the, the law is it currently reads, it doesn't consider context and exposure. So uh, a person kissing you, which is not a transmittable act, um, hugging, holding hands, anything like that, the law does not, you know, it does not include any of that context at all. Um, I know they specifically talk about like donating blood and blood transfusions and organ donations. It does address that, but it doesn't address that, okay, if a person is having the intent to transmit, it does not address that. So how it reads now and how many people have been prosecuted specifically in Shelby County, which houses the city of Memphis in Tennessee, um most people in memphis or shelby county have most of the prosecutions have happened here more so in other parts of the state which is why it's very important that we look at that um because last year our numbers were increased with new hiv cases for young people 13 to 24. so it's like okay if not only if we're gonna going to deal with them on a standpoint where we're not doing really well with mentorship with young people in Memphis. We're not doing really well with making sure that they are uh, not being teen uh, parents, whether they, you know, uh, opt to have abortions or adoptions or whatever the case may be. That's not happening the way it needs to happen. Thirdly, when we talk about SCI numbers, like we still have an increased rate of chlamydia and gonorrhea orally with young people because you do have them that say, okay, well, I'm not gonna have vaginal sex or I'm not gonna have anal sex, but they might have fellatio and oral sex and you still get STIs orally. And so boom, there we go. So we have all of that. And if they dodge all of that, and or if they don't, if they do deal with that or not, and also dealing with HIV, they now can be a felon, which means that a person can't go get public housing. They can't receive help to go through a community college to get a certification or a degree. Um, this keeps you away from being, you know, a certain distance and radius of schools and churches and things like that. So it really gives a person a scarlet letter to be convicted by that particular law. Um, and which is why I'm currently, this is the second time that I'm introducing a bill. Um, and I, and I'm currently working with a coalition called the Tennessee HIV modernization coalition. It's a lot of words or the THMC. And so, um, we've been doing the work since 2017. We introduced the bill in 2019, HB 1599, and we're currently slated to introduce another bill, uh, this coming year in 2022. So. Uh, I got there working. I told you I do a little bit of everything. <laughs> well, you you mentioned about um, earlier, you have another project called Page. Yes, that's the nonprofit, the Page. Um, so to give you a little bit of information about the Page, anyone who's it, who is interested in knowing anyone who might be interested, you can go to thepage.org. That's uh, T-H-E-P-A-I-G-E dot O-R-G. Um, so the page really uh, offers services to people who are people of color, LGBTQ in the Memphis area and also outside of the Memphis area. 
Uh, we currently, we did a movie screening for the movie Timothy that I just mentioned uh, with uh, the Artavius Vesey, who's also on the podcast. Um, we had a really robust conversation about a person identifying being LGBTQ, and I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but I would say go watch Timothy, the movie. Um, that way, you, um, when I tell you, it's, it's, it's soul-staring. Um, it'll really make you start to have the conversation about where are we when it comes to human relations and um, even family dynamics. Um, uh, the page also offers emergency assistance uh, for people who are experiencing hardships. Uh, we helped a couple of young people last year to stay in their homes and keep housing uh, while they were already uh, chronically ill. Uh, we also offer, we, we went virtual, but we were doing it in person called the Conclave. It's basically a peer support group for anyone who wants to come apart, be a part of the work that we're doing. Uh, we highly highlight allies. I think that we really have moved into an age where people uh, really take that blueprint of identity politics and be like, okay, I only want this certain person here at this certain time. And we want to flip the game. We want to flip the script. We want to change it up and be like, no, we want everyone who's interested in this. It doesn't matter where you come from. Come be a part of this. Because what we do have to understand is we got to get back to finding the string that binds us. I think that we've lost that. Somewhere in the last recent years, everyone's like, okay, I only want to deal with black people. I only want to deal with white people. I only want to deal with LGBTQ people. Oh, I only want to deal with 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 lesbians. Oh, I only want to deal with queer. If you are if you if queer is a negative thing for you, I don't want to deal with you. I want to deal with those who's okay with saying queer. It's it's just ridiculous. And I'm like, no, let's get back to being humans and looking at what similarities we have and us being able to come together and enjoy each other and, and celebrate that instead of chopping people down for what they disagree on and so the page that tries to do that not only specifically being memphis centric but by us being in the deep south we definitely try to spread the same love across the south and we've been able to we've made accomplishments for doing so well the thing about it is is you know to me and i hope and my intentions is that this is truth we're all divine beings, human beings, spiritual beings having a human experience. We're all gods and goddesses. And the essence of God and who you are, there is no race. There is really no gender. It's just pure love and living your life with what makes you happy being who you are in the human being that you are. And that to me is a pure essence of love expressing itself to the fullest. That is the essence of the God spirit, whatever you want to call it. And I would love to see everyone wake up to that because then we look at each other differently. We show kindness when we can all grasp that and get it in here, man, are we gonna be powerful to make the difference and the impact that we need. It doesn't to me matter what gender, what race, what, just be you. 
the best version of you? What does it look like? How does it feel? And let's just all unite and work together. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that we really, somewhere we lost ourselves. I think as a society, we lost ourselves. And the love that we had as, you know, being communities, and I think this is from a macro and micro level. Um, I find that that's why I always like anything that I do, I'm usually putting something out with love. Like even with the show called It's Sunny in the Shade podcast, it will probably have a connotation like shade. Like everyone kind of know what shade is now. So they're like, okay, wait a minute. It's like, no, it's nothing but love. Like when I tell you we love on each other uh, every episode, uh, we are very different, like snowflakes. Like all of us have very big personalities. I'm very different. But by the end of that hour that you sit down with us on a podcast, um, you could definitely, you would feel the love. You would feel the unjudgmental uh, nature of the show. You would, um, you would definitely get the unapologetic version of us, the uncensored version, because I think a lot of times we censor ourselves a lot. Uh, we are always, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have this opinion. No, have your opinion. Stand in it. Stand in it. Be in, center yourself. You're right. And so it's like center yourself in your truth. Own your truth. And I think a lot of us are very prone to be very aloof and like, okay, well, I'll take this position if this goes this way. And I'll take this position if this goes this way. It's like, if if the shoe doesn't fit, it doesn't fit, baby doll. Like, just center yourself in your truth and own it. Um, and that's one of the uh, pieces, that's one of the pieces of uh, philosophies that we like to share on the podcast as well. It's like, own your... Um, yeah, on your and, shit, and you know, but a lot of people, I think, would you agree, are lost. They don't even know what their truth is, and they're hiding absolutely. behind a mask, and that's all. But and that's what causes sickness and disease, because yeah. you're not you. What you resist will persist, and it's like we all have a soul purpose. And I, I feel like I didn't know what my soul purpose was until I was in my 40s. That shows you, you know, my somewhat age kind of, <laughs> you know, I'm revealing somewhat of my age. But I didn't know what I wanted to do, what I was passionate about. I didn't have any guidance or anyone, you know, one of those tasks that you could do this and this and that kind of thing. I think I might have. I just don't remember. Um, but if we could just pause, like, I think during this pandemic, that was the opportunity for us to pause and realize what is it that I truly want now? Yeah. Where is the truth? My truth, you know, start questioning your beliefs. Do they serve you or are they hindering you? What about your programs? What about your habits? And you talked about traumas. Oh, I could go really deep on that one because it's all been passed down energetically from the womb being passed on from womb to womb to womb to womb. Mm -hmm. And if you don't recognize that, 
you'll stay stuck. You won't find your true authentic self because of all that bullshit. Right. Absolutely. I agree. So I, and you have the, the song rock the ribbon that I'm so proud of you for doing. And you, and you, you talk about sex in that kind of way. And you know, if, if you like i had the belief about the because the religion religion aspect about sex it was like there was a taboo that it's really bad and you can only have it to reproduce no there there's another aspect of sex if you use common sense you know safe sex it's the most enjoyable euphoric orgasmic ecstasy when you hook up with someone that's like the synergistic energy exchange there you go that's what true sex is synergistic energy exchange and you can enjoy it with whoever as long as you have that connection it's more than that you know someone say oh love at first sight or that that chemistry when you first meet somebody and you it's so mm -hmm. strong it can be intoxicating and addicting it's right. just you are supposed to meet up with this person not necessarily sexually but there's something there that is presenting itself for you to discover on both sides would you agree right I love sex. I I just it doesn't matter what gender, what race, what color. There has to be that connection though. If I don't feel that connection, I'm like, nope, not happening. Sorry. <laughs> right. And I think that a lot of um also what we didn't talk about like when like on the sex conversation is about consent. I think that we really I really have been having that conversation like the last year uh, with young people, just really being, really having a, an in-depth conversation, letting them know that consent is important, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, we talked, we got the Me Too movement and all these other, you know, things that are happening where folks are like, oh, they're new phenomenons. I'm like, no, they're not. Like people have been saying like, people are not consenting to sex, but still having sex for years. Um, when we talk about, even when you talk about intimate partners, right? Uh, you know, women, particularly in marriages with men, where they have to give up sex because they're doing their wifely duty to their husbands. And it's like, okay, they may not be feeling like it. That is not a consensual sexual act. It's like, okay, she's doing it to keep from letting a situation possibly you know, spin out of that or actually escalate into something that's a lot more um, uncomfortable. So my thing is like, when we talk about consensual sexual activity, um, we really, I really have been having that conversation as well, like with folks, um, I've been having it with young people, particularly like college and high school age. Um, and I definitely had to, and this is where like, it kind of starts with my parenting. Like, I never stopped being a parent. So I used to talk to my son in like middle school about, um, about consent. 
No, I'm sorry, elementary. So he had a little girl that he liked. And he was calling her his girlfriend. And so what he would end up doing is he would go and hang with her after school or whatever, like coming walking away from school and things like that. And so it ended up being a situation where the girl said, okay, um, I don't want to date you no more. I don't want you to be my boyfriend no more. I'm going to go ahead and, and leave you alone because you don't hit me. You don't even like me because you don't hit me. And he was like tore up about this. Like he was like, yeah, I really like her. And she dumped me. She said, I don't hit her enough and I don't really act like I like her. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I was like, hold on, what are you, what did you say? And so he repeated it to me. I'm like, oh, she toxic. No. Yeah, I said, that baby needs to go get some counseling. And I went right into health education mode. I was like, that baby needs to go get some counseling. She needs, like, somebody probably have, you know, maybe taken advantage of that baby or something. I'm like, I might need to call CPS because that is no, that's a no-go. Um, right. But even at a young age with him then, I had to tell him about consent. And he had to understand and put that in context, like, what was really happening. Uh, fast forwarding to him being in college, uh, he is very sexually active. Um, and yeah, he's kind of a skirt chaser. He's, he's easy on the eyes. Um, and he has a gift of gab like his dad. Um, so um, the, the thing I have with him about college, I'm like, okay, if a girl, and we've had this conversation recently, I was like, if, if a girl is using like any type of drugs or alcohol or anything like that, you don't need to be having sex with her. I was like, I know this hard in college age. Y'all like, okay, that's just how I go. I'm like, trust me. I said, if you want something better for yourself in life, you do not want to put yourself in that situation. And he also hangs around a lot of athletes. And so he's really great for educating them and passing on the information to them. Uh, because they're trying to have careers, you know, being athletes. And the thing is, like, if you don't train for it, you you can't play the game. Like, and the game is, don't get caught up in no crap, like a consensual, you know, disagreement. Mm -hmm. um, so even, and, and I think even what's highlighted now socially is talking about um, trans women. Um, and how they are being like killed at, a, at an alarming rate nationally. Like this is trending, it's been happening for years. Um, and so a lot of people uh, when getting attacked in some of these cases, like I've seen in Memphis a couple of years ago, where trans women actually don't feel empowered to, to, um, to report attacks on, you know, in attempts on their life because you know, there's a consent question that always comes up. Like, okay, well, did you, were you trying to come on to this guy? Or were you trying to sell sex to this guy? And it's like, okay, should it, do it matter if they're a commercial sex worker or not? Does it matter if this guy said, oh, I don't like this kind of person or not? Like, I need you as law enforcement to support my sisters and sometimes my brothers in making this complaint, just like how they accept complaints for everything else, they need to accept complaints for that too with my, my trans brothers and sisters and being able to file their complaint and have an investigation that happen that will support them. Because what ends up happening, if a person 
uh, makes an attempt on one of my trans brothers and sisters' lives, and they and if that person go and file a complaint against that assailant, they usually will try to double back because they know the law is not going to do anything about it. And wow. it's just ridiculous. That that is that's sad. And you know, you you spoke about your son about consent, and you talk about consent and everything. Um, but I want to get into just briefly about sexuality and masturbation. I feel now it's like, hey, you're young. You're if you're starting to explore and feel, you know, part of master. It's masturbating, but at first it's the touch, the feel. Like, oh, that feels good. Oh, I like how this feels. You're getting to know part of your sexuality. And I encourage yeah. that before you have sex with somebody else, fall in love with yourself, play with yourself, enjoy yourself first. Right. Like what's wrong with that? <laughs> but here's here's the kicker. Here's the here's the, the little nugget. It's because you know how to please yourself, you will not need somebody else pleasing you. Because if they don't meet up to the standard of how you like to be pleased. Thank you, but no thank you. I don't need you. <laughs> you know, I got sexual toys. You know, and I love them. If I feel like, you know, to me, sex in the morning is a great way to start your day. And sex in the evening is a great way to end the day. You're, you're creating energy that's positive and makes you feel good. And you get... A lot of times you get inspiration and clarity and you just feel energy. Then at the end yeah. of the day, you're letting go of all the, you know, stress. It's a great stress reliever when it's consensual yeah. or when you're by yourself, play with yourself. You know what? I had a rough day. I'm going to play with myself, get my little toys out and have, you know, whew, and you go to sleep better. <laughs> right. But you're absolutely right. I think that, like, as you can talk about masturbation, like, that folks, we, how can I put this? Folks will have that conversation and they're entertaining, but they'd be like, no, I got to get it in. I got to have a partner. It's like, no, you don't. Like, I mean, if you look at it, you save yourself from having to deal with the app, deal with a stranger coming to your place and you going to a stranger's place putting gas in the car or paying for their Lyft or Uber. If you're going to go on a date, you know, you save money going on a date, you know, going out to dinner or anything like, okay, all you got to do is have whatever kind of lubricant you want to have and just go for what you know, you know, and when you're done, you can go right to your bathroom, take a shower. You don't have to escort anyone out and you can go to sleep. Like you said. So I, I think masturbation is, is the thing. And we do uh, uplift, you know, folks, if they are single uh, or even if they're not, if they want to masturbate, like, yeah, let, let me give you some tips. So we, we've um, <clears throat> we've had that conversation on uh, one of our shows in, in a recent uh, season. Oh, thank I, I you just, for, for opening that up and mentioning that. Well, I, I there's sometimes where, you know, if I want to get creative, I'll go watch some porn. It's not that I watch it every day. Because I, it's a very stimulating thing, but I'm like, I wonder, you know, what would this 
look like or how does this person get into this position so i'll go find it on the porn site i'm like <laughs> wow sometimes i'm like how do they do that <laughs> but you know and it's just it's taking care of me taking care of myself and what pleases me i'm not doing any harm to anybody else you know, I do everything in moderation, you know, and I love myself first before I give love to anybody else. You can't give love to somebody else if first and foremost, you don't love yourself. Right. So I encourage people to like, you know what? It's okay where you're at right now. Start falling in love with the person that you see in the mirror. Get to know that person. <laughs> because then when you fall in love with yourself and you truly love and you're happy with, you know, if there's things that you want to change, you're the one that can only change it. Nobody else. But when you go through that process, that transformation, that transition, yeah. you're and do the inner work of letting go of certain things. Right. Then when you change in here, you'll see it in that mirror and you'll like what you see. And then you start seeing everything else around you change. Right. So I'm all about that. And you know, if that's an inspiring and, and, and I believe that's what you try to do you know, on your podcast and what you're doing in your book and, and whatnot. So kudos to you. I am so happy that I had this moment and experience and I feel like I just had sex with you too. <laughs> and so I think that, um, I definitely wanted to, to let you and your folks know like where to find the podcast. Um, I have not had an opportunity to really say what platforms we are on because uh, I'm all about like definitely I, I really want us to continue to have this conversation. And uh, so when we get started season four, you absolutely have a ticket, a golden ticket to come and sit down with us at the yes. Sun in the Shade. So oh, I would love to have you and we could talk so much more about like everything around, you know, sexual health. I think that's kind of our love language here. <laughs> Um, you think? And I want to let everyone know where to find us to get ready for season four. And so this is one of our taglines on the show. So please forgive me, uh, but I kind of have to get into character. Uh, but uh, the you can find us at all podcast platforms like iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Breaker, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and anywhere podcasts are available. So that's one of our taglines on the show. Um, wow. I know, I know. A lot of people are like, oh my God, <laughs> when I first do it. Uh, but I definitely want to make sure that I do make sure, I want to bridge the gap with us in our conversations that we do have. Um, I really am excited about you having me here. Um, and I hope that you invite me back so we can talk a whole lot Absolutely. more. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Definitely for sure, Dwayne. I love these kind of, I love people like you. I really do. You, you, 
you are an angel that is sent here to set humans free to be free thank you thank you so much casey thank you for letting me wake up with you <laughs> oh yes absolutely and um i put everything uh all the links and whatnot in the description notes of the show notes so they could just click on and there is like everything that they could get to contact you and be a part of yours and i can't wait for the book sure thank you as soon as i finish the book um i would love to definitely come back and and kind of hawk that book book to y'all and get a little bit more detail than absolutely. what i've been able to give to you absolutely thank you so much Dwayne. i love you sunshine well love is in your face okay yeah. love is in your face <laughs> oh my god it's so funny <laughs> There you go. You never know who I'm going to have on my show. And please check out Dwayne. It's Sunny in the Shade. And, you know, if you have inspiration for the LGBTQ, the Page Project, um, go check it out. Be a part of it. I know I am. And I finally found something that I can help with. So it's, it's truly an honor. And just be just be you, the best version of you. So stay tuned for the next episode of Wake Up With KC. Do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. <laughs>